The opinions expressed on this program may be considered offensive, crude, or politically incorrect. They are merely those of the speakers and not of the affiliates and or sponsors. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Multiple Perspectives Podcast, the podcast where we discuss controversial issues from multiple frames of reference. Coming up on this show, Ferguson, ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, and Minimum Wage Increases. I'm your host, Kay, and sitting alongside with me is America's next teenage heartthrob, Joe. Hello, everybody. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How about you? Were you worried about that? That you're the next teenage heartthrob? No. I believe the current one is... Justin Bieber? I only go for... Well, actually, uh, he's not even teenage anymore, though. <laughs> I only go for 18 and older. Eight, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a serial killer uh, statement in there, man. <laughs> so this podcast is uh, is a mutual creation between us. It's our reaction to mainstream media news. Indeed. Because w- what happens in when you turn on CNN or Fox... They try to say what they want to say because of their own... Their own agenda. Well, I mean, it's impossible to be uh, unbiased, right? Completely unbiased. Yeah. But that, that's what we're trying to do here at Multiple Perspectives. We're going to explore controversial issues like abortion, minimum wage increase, which is what we're talking about today, and uh, corporate punishment, capital punishment. Yeah. All those controversial hot button issues from multiple perspectives. And it's like in the movies when they use the, the title of the movie in the movie. Yeah. Like, I need a few good men. <laughs> <laughs> As the inaugural episode, well, let's have a little about me section. What would you like the listeners to know about you? My name is uh, Joe. I- I'm a student uh, in my, my uh, final last, semester, fi- final semester right. at university and uh, just trying to figure out what to do with life, man. Just taking it one day at a time. One day at a time, one hour at a time. Well, my biography would be the same thing, actually. But uh, what's different between us is you're studying communications, yeah. and I'm studying psychology. So as always, every episode, we're going to open the show with a, a segment covering the week's current news. And uh, wh- what's been on Facebook lately? Ferguson. Ferguson. Now, uh, you want to give the summary of, of what happened in Ferguson recently? Well, uh, what I know is uh, some teenager got shot by a cop. That's, that's all you know? That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's a, is it another Trayvon Martin situation? No, it's more like a, another Oscar Grant situation. And what's the difference between that and Trayvon Martin? Trayvon Martin, Zimmerman was a civilian. This cop is a, as, as an actual cop. Well, don't you think everybody on Facebook is exclaiming the fact that he's black? Would, th- would this be the same story if Michael Brown was a white kid? Probably not, no. No. It's going to be cop shoots kid. That's it. Nobody cares. Yeah. But everybody cares when it's a white cop and a black kid. I feel like racism is only portrayed in the media when it's racism from white people against black people. When has there ever been a a racist case from anyone else to an Asian person or anyone else to a white person? It's still racist if you're racist against a white person. Or if if they show it, it's it's really a really short segment on on the news. Coming up tonight is a, uh, a, uh, a black man calls an Asian man a chink. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah, or... Black guy attacks Asians at the BART station. Racism involved, question mark. So what you found was uh, the purge, the real life purge. And what was, what's the deal with that? I, I saw things like that coming up on Facebook too. Yeah, so the purge is a movie 
Ethan Hawke, and uh, there's this new one coming out, right? Right, right. Well, it's it's been out, and uh, people are saying it's it's more gritty than the first one, but yeah, more more uh, the dark fantasies that people have of uh, committing crime. So the premise of the purge is it's a government sanctioned event. And it's twelve hours where all crimes are legal. They say uh, something like all weapons below class four are legal, so you can't use explosives, but you can use guns and baseball bats and whatever. And murder is legal during those 12 hours. So people, there are certain people who seek out to kill their bosses. There are people who just kill randomly, people who kill homeless people. It says that uh, crime is at an all-time low because of this, because everybody purges one day throughout the year. According to the movie. Yeah, according to the movie, not in real life. <laughs> not in real life. And unemployment is also low because people are seeking to kill homeless people. The, the weak and the poor are dying off in the film. Because they can't defend themselves. Yeah. And uh, that has translated to real life because of Ferguson, kind of. No, I think uh, they're just explaining the Ferguson situation and uh, comparing it to the movie. So what happened was I heard, I heard, I'm not sure how much uh, validity this really has, is somebody posted on Twitter that there's a real purge coming up in Louisville, Kentucky. And during that night, I think it was August 18th or 15th or something like that. Uh, a lot of people online were listening to the police scanners in Louisville, and I, I tuned in for a second, and there were a lot of there was a lot of activity going on actually. But w- how much of that activity was really due to people saying that the purge was really happening from you know 9 p.m. to 6 a.m.? There are multiple break-ins. I think three confirmed homicides. Isn't that like it could have been normally? Yeah, it could have been three yeah. three homicides every every night every night. I don't know how busy of a know. town Louisville is, though. Is Louisville a big... Uh, I have no idea, but it's Kentucky. So, uh, does everybody have guns in Kentucky? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. But then, the day after, I believe, this is what I read around uh, Reddit and, and all those other news sites, social media sites, is a kid, a high school kid, confessed to the police that he posted this on Twitter as a prank. And it just got out of hand. People started posting this everywhere on Reddit and on 4chan. And he admitted that it was stupid. I, th- I think he was probably cited because they're not gonna, they're not going to throw him in jail for that. He's sixteen. Yeah, isn't it that the one where uh, they tapped onto his laptop and stuff like that? I think he just admitted it oh, okay. out of guilt or something. Fact check. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll fact check this whole story because it, this is coming from Shockable.com, by the way. <laughs> And it, it, it lists all the date for the upcoming purges. And yeah. uh, the Bay Area one is August 25th. Which is... Uh, <laughs> That's Monday. Monday. Uh, the first day of... Uh, first day of school for first us. First day yeah. of class, you know. yeah. It's, it's only six hours for some reason. And Chicago is also purging at that time. It's, it's only during the dark, dark time? I don't know, but the, it's not really based on the movie because the movie is 12 hours and, and most of these are six hours. The thing with the one in Louisville, Kentucky is police took it seriously. Yeah, and They shut down a whole bunch of things. A football game, a high school football game was shut down because of it. I think there was a Katy Perry concert that they, they upped the security or they canceled. I'm not, I don't remember. But what, what do you think about this? Are people going to start freaking out just because this is online? Just because it's on shockable.com? One word, 2012. 2012? <laughs> remember what happened there? Yeah, another word, 2000. <laughs> <laughs> people will try to believe whatever they want to believe. Anything that happens like this, anything on social media, uh, a lot of people are gullible, man. You could go on social media and say any... Do you, do you know how many times Jackie Chan has allegedly died on social media? <laughs> yeah. He has to come online every time and say, guys, I haven't died yet. Someone is saying that I'm dying. I'm not dead. 
the article states that people are taking these threats seriously and uh, police are actually going to focus in on the locations being mentioned. Are they wasting their time? What if this is just a red herring? They're getting the police all focused on one event. Meanwhile, they rob a bank. Something else happens. <laughs> yeah, right? something else happens. This could be even be a, uh, a foreign terrorist attack. Yeah. It could be a foreign terrorist posting these things up, getting all the police on a domestic issue. And when everyone's not looking, bam, bam, foreign terrorist attack. Or a local cell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy, but it is possible. It's not impossible, I should say. Yeah, yeah. It's not impossible. But the police are doing their job. Uh, well, do you commend them for, for, for looking after such a thing? Yeah, I commend them because for them, they would rather do something then not most of them, and then be yeah, then be blamed after it. Happened. Well, they're gonna be blamed either way. Yeah, no. Everybody <laughs> blames the police. Yeah, uh, they're too busy looking after this purge thing that uh, so many other things were happening. Yeah, that's what some people say. So let's move along to uh, the ice bucket challenge, which you've seen every day on Facebook. We yeah. got challenged at work. Yeah, we got challenged at work, and I just said no. Yeah, we said no. <laughs> <laughs> so the premise of the challenge is to dump nice bucket on yourself yeah and then what to make people aware of uh als now als is uh more probably known as lou gehrig's disease yeah lou gehrig's people are saying that when you dump ice on yourself you're giving yourself a split second feel of what people with lou gehrig's disease feel yeah and then after you do that do you donate money or how does this work how does uh, this work exactly? i don't know it's uh, the videos i seen I, I don't see anybody promoting anything they just uh they just dump a bucket of ice on them yeah that's the whole challenge and they they uh challenge other people but people like challenges yeah people not like, sure what like those uh cinnamon and uh, hot sauce right no it's a, it's a it's a spoonful of cinnamon it's impossible spoonful. to eat yeah spoonful of boiling cinnamon. water challenge boiling water <laughs> <laughs> drink boiling water and i nominate you this is how it feels to have uh steven johnson's disease what is, what is steven's i think it's called steven johnson's it's a disease where uh you feel like you're burning in the inside oh is it you're on fire but you're literally not on fire okay it's only the, the same symptoms. We're starting it. Boiling water challenge. <laughs> no. We're starting it. Millions dead from boiling water challenge. Now, this is coming from The Blaze, and it reads that the ALS Association actually has brought in nearly $42 million since July 29th, in comparison to just $2.1 million during the same time period last year. Because last year, they didn't have this challenge. And some people are protesting the challenge, though, because uh, in Cincinnati, all the local Catholic schools are being asked not to encourage students to participate because it involves embryonic stem cell research. Yeah. So instead, I mean, they were donating, but they were, they're sending their funds um, to another research institute, which doesn't do stem cell research. Well, they do stem cell research, but the adult. Yeah, uh, I guess, adult stem cell I guess when you're Catholic, like you can only do it with adult stem cells, but not baby stem cells. Yeah, because... Um, well, not babies, but embryonic. Yeah, yeah. Embryonic. <laughs> adult stem cells are uh, taken from... Uh, Live human being. Now, Carrie Monk, a representative of the ALS Association, actually confirmed to the Blaze that the organization is funding one study that involves embryonic stem cells. And she also said that any donors who have ethical concerns with uh, stem cell research, they're free to stipulate that their money donations should not be used for the study or any other related stem cell research. No, I think they could, um, they could donate money and uh, tell them, we don't want this for embryonic research. Right. It could be for adult. Yeah. Does it really matter though? Because once you put money in a pool, it's well, just a big pool of money. Well, if the association is true to the word, 
Uh, hopefully, they, they don't even it. have to be. How could you prove something like you that? You can't. You can't. But it makes people feel better knowing. <laughs> it's that. like you're throwing you're throwing money into a bank account. Whatever money you pull out, how do you know who's is who? Yeah, it's just a statement that ALS Association is going to give you, saying that don't worry, your money is not going towards embryonic stem cell research. But on the other hand, the people who don't want their money going towards stem cell research, why not just not donate? Because they want to make themselves feel like they're contributing okay. to something. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do something, but it's, I don't really want to. It's just uh, such a weird thought process, you know? Yeah. You want to throw your money into a pool, but you don't want your money used for something that they need to use it for. Now, the ALS Association recently announced that 21 new projects are planned because they got all that money, but none of those new researches involve embryonic stem cells. Is that something we can trust from the ALS Association? Because by law, they don't have to tell you anything. When you donate to a charity, do they have to tell you exactly where your money is going? No. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Because I've never, I've never really heard none. Yeah, they don't release a report telling everybody where their money went. You know, if you donate to uh, a children's foundation or whatever, they don't tell you exactly where that money's going. Yeah. Unless, it could, it uh, could be going towards uh, the paychecks of people working there. Yeah, unless they want to, I guess. And when do they ever want to? When they get caught. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can make someone confess is when you catch them. That, and then they that, apologize and say, we're sorry, we really never meant to do this. We really never meant to use your money for our own paychecks. Or giving myself a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> now let's head into our first break here after this opening current news segment here. When we come back, we're going to start the week's topic of minimum wage increase. At first glance, w- what's your opinion on minimum wage increase? It's very, very confusing. complex. Yeah. It's very complex. 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 It's not black and white like most people think it is. Yeah. It's not you raise it or you lower it and that's yeah. it. That's not what it is. Let's head a break here. You're listening to Multiple Perspectives Podcast. Stay tuned. topic lately is a minimum wage. There's been multiple debates about minimum wage, according to an article in CNN by Elizabeth Hartfield. In February, the president issued an executive order to increase the minimum wage for federal contractors to $10.10 an hour. In Congress, it did not pass. In April, a bill to boost the federal minimum wage to $10.10 from its current rate of $7 to $0.25 an hour died in the Senate. Let's head back to middle school. How does a bill become a law? How does something become a bill? Schoolhouse of Rock. School what? <laughs> Schoolhouse of Rock. Oh, is that? What's that? What's that TV show? The cartoon. I, the witch cartoon. 
Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock? That, that is not a show, man. I'm a Bill, man. What? I'm a Bill. No, that I thought that was just like a thing that they, they it's just like one thing. It's an actual show. Yeah, it's a TV show. I don't remember. Oh, don't yeah. Remember so uh, 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 a bill becomes a bill by first uh, are, are citizens voting for a representative. Us common people. Common, are, common folk. Common folk or the uh, low class. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the peasants of this country will vote for somebody higher than them to represent them at Washington, D.C. Uh, the feds are going to be knocking on our door pretty soon <laughs> if you talk like that. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying. We're so being tapped, man. Our, our, our local local governments will select a uh, representative to go to Washington, D.C. And, and do the talking for so, them. So in our case, let, let's personalize this. We'd, we'd call up my condo. Yeah. And uh, tell them that, uh, oh, as citizens... Of this district, we want we, we, we want uh, we want fifty fifty dollars an hour. That's yeah, or we, or we want free ice cream on Sunday. <laughs> and I want you to go to Washington D.C. and propose a bill to the House of Representatives that there should be free ice cream on Sunday. Vanilla, free vanilla ice cream on Sundays. <laughs> free vanilla. So then Mike Condor goes to D.C. and who does he pitch it to? He pitches it to the uh, House of Representatives. Okay. So the House of Representatives, do they vote? Is it like America's Got Talent where they have a button? <laughs> Is that what it's like? <laughs> the X amount yeah. when he's talking. No, yeah. we don't want I, What I need is free ice creams and just, burn. no, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Nick Cannon's the host too. Brings yeah, him in, go. right? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to the House of Representatives of the United States of America. We got Mike Honda on the side here. And Mike Honda is from San Francisco originally. And he's here today with a dream for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he pitches it to his uh, local congressman, uh, House of Representatives, and then they draft a bill. If they don't like it, they can just tell him to uh, get the hell out or what? Uh, yeah, I th- think they vote. They have to have a consensus for a bill to come. So how many people are in that, that panel that he's pitching to? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's pitching to the whole House of Representatives. I keep hearing numbers like six to three or, or seven to four, whatever it is. So I, I probably like anywhere from seven to 15 people that people, he's pitching to. I, I think uh, sometimes there's like a, a committee. Okay. It's called a congressional committee. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I remember this from high school. Yeah. So they have this small room of uh, selected officials to listen out on some issues. Okay, so they draft the bill and the bill goes where? I think they have to have the Senate okay. look after it. And the Senate is, is what, the two people per states? Yeah, the two uh, two people per states. So there's uh, 100, 100 senators out there. Now it says that in April, uh, the bill died in the Senate, that, uh, that 725 should go to 1010. That is a drastic increase. Yeah, it is. That's the last time it increased, what was it, 7 to 725 or something like that? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm too young to. Yeah, we we were too young. <laughs> too young. We were too young to know. But I I believe it was around six fifty to seven twenty five. It wasn't like five dollars to seven twenty five. Seven twenty five to ten ten is like almost three bucks, and that doesn't seem like much. But y- y- people don't think about how much that affects. Well, you know, we'll talk about that later. But this is the informational yeah, segment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're trying to be unbiased here. And so uh, after the Senate say approves of. Uh, Free ice cream on Sundays, okay. for example. All right. Then the bill that Congress wrote up, you know, Senate, the Senate and the House would uh, edit the bill and then it would go to the president and the president would read it. He so, would either sign it or veto it? Yeah, he would either sign it to pass it into a law or he would veto so it. So as soon as he signs it, it passes into a law. Yeah. That's the power Obama has. Well, yeah, that's the power of the president. He could veto or sign. Okay. But, you know, not... A f- so wh- what's the difference between that and an executive order? 
Executive order is is only by the president. I think the Congress uh, they don't draft the bill. So to sum up, he can do whatever the f- he wants. <laughs> is that right? Is that right? <laughs> no, man. I don't. Yeah, the, for executive exactly. order, he can say you got to do this. Executive order kind of like bypasses Congress, so it's like a special, a special token he just throws out. Is that what yeah? It? It's like a special power that the uh, like a free pass. No, it's does more he like get a, like three a year, or how does this work? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I remember the uh, Japanese internment was a executive order carried out. So who who issued that one? Was it uh, Roosevelt? I, th- I think so. Yeah. So Roosevelt said, "What we we have to to keep them contained." Yeah, because after the Japanese attack. So, I, I mean, a president can't just keep issuing executive orders. That would be chaos. No, because a lot of people think it's actually unconstitutional because Congress is supposed to represent the people. If you give the president... And this is just the president saying stuff that maybe two people would argue with or two people uh, would yeah. agree with. I think, yeah, either even if uh, everyone agreed, you got to go through the process of making it into a law by letting Congress... <laughs> so why is this legal? Why is the executive order legal? You never, never know. Never, that could be, that's another that's issue another, for another, another show. Issue, another show. <laughs> <laughs> that's another episode of this. Let's head back to CNN here. The article states that Democrats have continued to make the issue a center part of their platform. For example, in the 2014 midterm elections, they argued that raising the minimum wage would have an immediate positive impact on the economy because low wage workers are likely to spend some of that additional money they would take in as a result. When you put money in people's pockets, they spend it. That was said from Labor Secretary Thomas Perez. It's stated by the administration that the increase in federal minimum wage would benefit up to 28 million workers, and the majority of that is women. That's what yeah. the article states. That's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. This is a CNN political ticker blog. So who knows what, what association this, this writer has. Yeah. And it claims that uh, it would lift 900,000 people out of poverty, but would potentially cost around 500,000 jobs, a decrease about 0.3% in employment. Now, let's head to Forbes, where uh, there's an article by Suzanne Adams that is titled, The Minimum Wage Debate, Who's Right? It reads that in Seattle, people just sign an ordinance for $15 an hour. 15 Yeah. It's mostly for people who work in airport-related businesses, but at the same time, 15 Right now, they already pay... Nine nineteen. Nine nineteen for the state minimum wage, which is already the highest minimum wage set by state. Out of all the states that yeah, have, all the the, states. have a higher minimum wage. Yeah, than California is one of them, but we're not at nine nineteen. We're we're actually at ten ten dollars in two years or something like that. Yeah, in twenty sixteen, I think it's going to be ten dollars. Yeah, but the thing with that is in SF in San Francisco, it's already at ten fifty five with municipal minimum wage. The minimum wage is is complex. It's not it's set at one level. It's set at three or four levels. There's fed minimum wage, mm-hmm. which is seven twenty five. State just separate by state. Oh, California it's I think it's eight eight bucks. Eight bucks, yeah. Eight bucks. And then there's municipal minimum wage. So the city. City. Is there anything beyond that? Household. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think allowance, there is. kids. Here's your allowance. But who knows? It it could happen. Now, this was back in November. It said that Obama recently supported a Senate bill that would hike federal minimum wage from 725 to 1010, also indexed to inflation. I'm not sure what that means. Oh, so the value of money, it really depends on the inflation, like the how much buying power you have with that dollar. So if they were to raise minimum wage by like only a couple of cents, would that really help somebody buy more stuff? Somebody who works a lot of hours, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Just recently, last year, California passed a law lifting its minimum wage to $10 by 2016. So California is doing a gradual lift, just like Seattle. 
What's happening with Walmart and McDonald's is they've been staging protests, the workers, demanding that they need a living wage of $15 an hour. Because that's what it really affects the, you know, fast food workers and Walmart workers, which is just depressing because Walmart will give you $8 an hour or $7 an hour, whatever the minimum wage is. Yeah. No questions asked. They will refuse to give you even more. Mm-hmm. And that that's what really minimum wage affects. Yeah, mostly for uh, retail workers and uh, restaurant workers. Let's head to Kearney Hub, where there's an article that states, Hyman stays neutral on minimum wage debate. Now, uh, governor of Nebraska... Dave Hyman has been associated to a neutral stance on Nebraska's minimum wage. Now, I like this guy yeah. because he, he considers both sides. What he says is that it's, it's going to be the, one of the toughest decisions for the people of Nebraska to make a judgment on because they're going to get an opportunity to vote on it in November. If approved, the measure would boost the minimum wage to $8 an hour for 2015 with the next step to $9 an hour, kicking in on January 1st, 2016. Now, he says that there's a concern on one side that people can't make enough with uh, minimum wage right now. But on the other hand, there's concerns that employers, especially small businesses, might have to lay off people with minimum wage increases. What he likes is raising the state minimum wage following a Fed increase, which is what they did before because that has the support of both business and labor. And why do you think that is? I think it's because it gives the business more time to adjust. It doesn't give the pressure of the state to to make the decision. So let's say federal uh, minimum wage increases to $10. So then California follows with $10 yeah. in 2015. And then uh, 2016, the state minimum wage goes up to 1050. Does that really help? I don't see how that, that uh, is different from raising state minimum wage before Fed increases. Because state minimum wage can't be under Fed minimum wage, right? Yeah. It can, that's yeah. against the law. Yeah. Federal so, law. So that's how you know a state is cheap because it's at Fed minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they have, they have different uh, viewpoints of minimum wage. If a state is at minimum wage, I guess usually they're going to go to the side where we support small businesses and states that have higher, higher than the federal minimum wage. I think the majority of them say. What defines a small business? I don't know. Exactly. Like what, right? more than uh more than 20 or less than 20. Uh, because employees? we could we we could start a company right now and I could be the CEO and I could pay you in cash. I yeah. wouldn't have to pay minimum wage. Yeah. At all. Certain laws um I think the minimum wage laws has to deal with how many employees you have to. Oh, it doesn't? Yeah. I I've heard a number that says four employees but I'm not sure. So what if we started a company, I was the CEO and I hired 10 people and I paid all of you in cash? The minimum wage would would it affect me? Would that be even legal? Yeah, that's a hard question. I need to I need to consult my lawyer. Yeah, we, <laughs> your attorney. Call it attorney. It's attorney. much it's much more intelligent when you call it attorney. So seriously, this Dave Hyman guy, he he's got a good idea with uh, increasing minimum wage after Fed increases minimum wage. That's when you should increase state minimum wage. But I, the thing I don't understand is just how would that be better than increasing it before Fed increases it? That's the question I'm asking. And that's the question that is going to be an open topic discussion for a while. According to another CNN article in the money section titled Cafe Charges Customers 35 Cent Minimum Wage Fee by Ben Brody. It was published in 2014, a couple of weeks ago. And so this uh, cafe in Minnesota called Oasis Cafe, Stillwater, Minnesota, every time uh, their customers paid on the bill, on the bill it showed a minimum wage fee of 35 cents. Min wage fee. Min, min, M-I-N. <laughs> That's, that kind of hides it for, for people who don't really look at the, the bill. Yeah. Uh, maybe they saw it 
Minnesota, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Minimum wage fee. Some uh, patrons of the store disagreed with the uh, decision that Oasis made of putting a minimum wage fee on their receipt. Some of them complained on uh, social media. Uh, others supported the business by saying that the company wants to, or the small business wants to show that because the increase of the minimum wage in Minnesota, the company had to pay their workers more. So the Minnesota actually increased the minimum wage to $8 an hour. So whatever they were paying, you know, seven twenty-five or whatever it was that they were paying the employees, now it has to be eight dollars an hour. So the people who run the the restaurant, it's still considered a small business, I guess. Yeah. They they did thirty-five cents on each bill to make up for the fact that they have to pay eight dollars an hour for some workers. Now that's a political statement. If if I didn't know better. Yeah, they didn't add it to the uh, total bill like the burger is. Yeah, they 20, did not. They put it. It's right there, pretty clear. Yeah, it's not the, twenty the burger is not twenty one dollars and thirty five cents. The burger is twenty one dollars, your subtotal, plus the tax and the separate uh with an asterisk minimum wage fee. Minimum wage fee. The owners of uh the restaurant, Craig and Deb Beamer, say that it's the most honest and transparent way to communicate a significant increase in operating costs. Now I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah. That's a very honest way to charge people, but the moral behind it. Who should be taking responsibility for the fact that they have to pay their workers more? Because the the increase in minimum wage does not affect the owners. They're not earning minimum wage. No, they're not. But right. they affect the owners by taking money out of their pocket. By paying their workers. Yeah, that's what they have to that's how it affects them. They have to pay their workers the extra seventy five cents or whatever it or 30, is. Thirty thirty five cents. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't necessary to add, you know, to actually show it on the bill, but they did it to show the public that this is how much extra we have to charge you or to, to pay our workers. I, and uh, on the other hand, there are a lot of people disagreeing. I, I would believe most people disagree with them because most people don't want to be charged more. Yeah. Most people would love getting more money in their pocket, but don't want to be charged more. Now, that right there is just an unjust statement by itself. Uh, people are writing that a good business owner will raise the prices if cost of doing business goes up. Now, that's true to me. Because if something goes up, they're going to have to raise prices or they're going to cut back on what they're serving. Yeah. Portions of restaurants, I, I, I've noticed myself that portions continually get a little smaller gradually. Yeah. You know, instead of increasing the price, they, they decrease the portion they give you. Uh-huh. So that's, a, that's another way to save money. But uh, this wasn't the only case back in February. Diners at eight Gators Dockside Casual Eateries in Florida found a 1% surcharge on their checks designed to generate the additional revenue needed to cover the cost of complying with the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> it, is, it is a political statement. That one is, but the owners of this restaurant are claiming that they're, they weren't trying to do a political statement. They were just trying, trying to make to form, up. Yeah. yeah. But who knows? They didn't have to, but they did so. They wanted to. They have the right to. What's your opinion on this couple here running this restaurant? Would you support something like this or would you be against it? Let's support. say as a diner, as a diner there. You know, I'm there just to get the food, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to read any political statement on a receipt. But it's a clever way to put it in a bill. They didn't have to, but for them, they want to show it subtly. I, I think it's a classy way to go about it, but not yeah. the right way. Well, what is the, what would be the right way? There is no right way. That's the <laughs> that's the trick of of this minimum wage issue here. I, I think before the the eight dollar increase, they were worried that if they increased the price of the meal, people, people would stop coming. People yeah. stop coming. So what they did is they separated the 
That's well, where the honesty comes. In. Yeah. But it's still, I, I think it's still immoral to have to charge people more just because their workers are getting paid more. As a business owner, shouldn't you be responsible for something like that? Yeah, but part of the business is making money and paying your bills. So they would have to pay more. At a cost of losing certain customers. Yeah, they would They would have to raise the prices so that they could survive. Yeah. But either way, if you lower the, the portion size or increase You're going to lose customers either lose way. Customers. So, I mean, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. They're going to lose something because of the fact that certain people working there are going to benefit from the minimum wage increase. So there is a beneficiary, but there are also people hurting from a beneficiary. It's like saying there's no victimless crime. Yeah. There's no bill that benefits everybody or there's no there's no law that benefits everybody. Yeah, it's either going to hurt some and benefit others. That closes up the informational statement on this episode of Multiple Perspectives. When we come back, we're going to get a little angsty about uh, the cons of raising minimum wage. You're listening to Multiple Perspectives podcast. Stay tuned. Should it be raised and um, should we want to see models more like Costco where companies pay their employees a lot more than the minimum wage? Well, to jobs, jobs are a great thing. You have to be a bit careful uh, that if you raise the minimum wage, you're encouraging labor substitution, that you're going to go uh, buy machines and automate things or cause jobs to appear outside of that that jurisdiction. And so within certain limits, uh, you know, it doesn't cause job destruction. But if you really start pushing it, then you're, you're just making a huge trade-off. And you have to say, which are the households that end up benefiting? Is it much more the teenager in a wealthy household, or is it that uh, household in poverty? A lot of the, the problem there is that that those people don't have many hours. It's not the uh, the actual wage well, level. Well, like fast food workers. 
I mean, a yeah, lot of those people are households in poverty. It's 88% in, uh, in non-poverty households. So there's a, there is about 11% of those are from the poverty households. But you're, you know, anyway, it's, these are complex issues. It's not as simple as just saying, okay, raise the raise wage and all wage. of a sudden, well, yeah. uh, you know. So what is Bill Gates saying there exactly? In layman's terms. In layman's, layman's terms. <laughs> a lot of people will, will listen to that and they have no idea what's going on because we're so used to casual topic statements. I think he's saying um, there's a there's really a border or... There's a line you can't cross. Yeah, there, there's some lines. like There has to be parameters of how much you increase. And what do you think way? the parameter is? $15 an hour? I don't know, man. That's the question. That's 15, the question. What if it, wh- why not... Why not um, why, why 15? Well, how about 11? How about 12? Why not 50? If, uh, if we're going 15, why not 50? Yeah. That, that's the question that people who are against minimum wage are asking, people like us. I don't even have to say that because their opinions shine through with these microphones pretty obviously. Now, I'll, I'll state it anyways for people who, who don't really know. So we're against minimum wage increase. But if you can't argue for the other side, then you're ignorant. Yeah. That's the point of this podcast. Now, let's head to One American News Network where there's a story that they, they restated from Reuters. And it's basically that Seattle raised their minimum wage up to $15 an hour gradually over the course of two years or something like that. And now people are trying to repeal that, that ordinance. Now, what does that say about the ordinance itself? Because once that ordinance comes in, they've already raised the minimum wage maybe a dollar or two. And is it people noticing the fact that minimum wage increase isn't helping anybody? That they're trying to repeal it now. It's too much. 15? Well, uh, that's 15 over the course of two years or something yeah. like that. But it's already raised, I don't know, a dollar or two. And uh, people are noticing that it's not helping. That, well, that's just my opinion. It's not helping anybody. Now they're trying to repeal it. And the efforts are failing. Because there's so many people thinking, why should we get less money for working a job? Yeah, or um, I think people are noticing that those who do want to start a small business, it's going to be very hard for them to... Uh, as it is already. Yes. It's already hard as it is. How are you going to grow if... Uh, you have to pay everyone $15 an hour. Yeah. That's, that's the case that uh, people who are against minimum wage are asking. Now, Seattle is one of the several cities who are leading the national push by Democrats to raise minimum wage. And uh, they're already at nine thirty-two an hour, which is pretty high for a state minimum wage. I think California is at nine currently, and it's going to be 10 by 2016. And the group argues that mm, the measure illegally discriminates against franchises, many of which have fewer than 500 employees, because it would force them to pay employees $15 an hour within three years, while other businesses would have more time. That, that's, their, um, that's their argument there for repealing the minimum wage ordinance. So what do you think is going on in Seattle? I mean, they just wanted something, now they're taking it back. Well, let me ask this. Do you think the people who are trying to repeal it, how many of those people do you think are the same people that tried to get the $15 an hour increase? Probably a few of them. I would say a good number. Probably. I don't know. Because people don't switch sides until they see the effects of what they want. Yeah. Seattle is going to experience this. I mean, $15 an hour, man. Is everybody from the, from the stage is going to flock to Seattle if that happens? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's already happening locally because yeah. San Jose is $10 an hour and the city we live in is $9 an hour. A lot of people are flocking towards that city yeah. just to work. And if that happens $15 an hour from the difference of nine twenty five or whatever it is, 
That's but, that's a six dollar difference almost. But then all those flocking to uh, San Jose would have less hours because all the that's the argument. Uh, that's the supposedly. argument. That's where it doesn't doesn't work. Supposedly, yeah. If in theory, if if you were a business owner, if you were a manager or a boss or whatever the word is currently, you have to pay everyone a two dollars extra. You're either going to cut workers or cut hours. Yeah. And the other only option is to get more money in to get more customers, which is impossible. That's not. <laughs> that's just not possible. So it doesn't it doesn't really benefit customers either. Because what would happen to the customer? The price increases. Price increase. Yeah. Or there's less employees to actually help you with products. Uh, is anybody in the store? Is anybody? No, there's only one because we're getting paid fifty dollars an hour. <laughs> there's only there's only one worker right now, sir. Uh, can I speak to your manager? I am the manager. <laughs> can, can I speak to your uh, sales clerk? I am the sales clerk. <laughs> can I speak to somebody in the back? Can I speak to the custodian? <laughs> I'm the custodian. <laughs> Pretty much there's only going to be one because, well, I mean, that's an extreme theory, but you yeah, get the point of what we're theory. saying here. Let's head back to Forbes where there's another article by William Dunkelberg, why raising the minimum wage kills jobs. Now, that's a very straightforward opinionated topic right there. That's yeah. a very straightforward headline written by William Dunkelberg. Dunkelberg is a chief economist for the National Federation of Independent Business. So he knows a few things about a few things. Yeah. And he's also a professor. Okay. All right. Emeritus. At Temple University. So he states that the minimum wage is a major anti-jobs policy. Ten states have already announced an increase in their minimum wage effective January 1st, mostly because their legislation requires an adjustment to the consumer price index inflation measure. $10 an hour for San Francisco. Uh, the state of Washington has $10 to $9 on average. Pretty much the only states that people are talking about is Washington and California, because these are very, very, very democratic states. Yeah, for the most part. And most Democrats will vote for a minimum wage increase and most exactly. conservatives will vote against it. We're saying most. Keep that in mind. Don't, we, we shouldn't get a hate mail. For we don't, we don't like, want to say something direct out of... Right. You know. But but these Democrats who are voting for, for a minimum wage increase or even the Republicans who are voting for a minimum wage increase, I don't think they're thinking about long-term uh, effects. They're thinking about, oh, if we get the $2 an hour extra. Yeah, it'd be nice for yeah. It'd be nice to buy extra uh, clothes or food or whatever it is. So Dunkelberg says that if uh, raising minimum wage really supports spending and stimulates the economy, if that really works, why not make the minimum wage fifty dollars? Why don't you make it one hundred dollars? Now this would provide someone working two thousand hours a year with an income of a hundred thousand dollars. Eliminating poverty and stimulating the economy. Obviously, $50 an hour would be detrimental to employment, as is $7 an hour. It's just a matter of degree. Now, what's he saying there? Is it that, that uh, $7 an hour is already detrimental and $50 is already detrimental? Because $7 is too low, $50 is too high. Yeah. It's just a matter of how it affects the economy. So that's what he's saying. Do you think it's valid that if, if raising it really stimulates the economy, why not just make it $50? Why not make it $100? It only stimulates the economy to a certain extent. So mm -hmm. you're, you're saying there's a dollar point that we can stop at. Yeah. You, you could give people a higher wage. $50. And, and it would stimulate the economy because, uh, again, like in the beginning, if someone has more money, they're going to spend more. In theory. In theory. In theory. Because there are a lot of people who will save that money. Yeah. And that money will not see the economy again. Yeah. But I think a lot more, a lot of people actually do spend more money. But how much is that? growth in the economy. Exactly. Not, not so I would say there's a dollar point. Who knows if it's $11, who knows if it's $12, but I really think it's not $15 an hour. 
$15 an hour for everybody in the entire country is not going to help the economy. You, you know what's weird? How did they figure out that number? Did they just roll a dice? Did they? Well, <laughs> that's the question. There, there has to be certain logarithms and formulas that will account for inflation, will account for um, the, how much the economy needs, you know, how much money needs to circulate around the, the state or the entire country. And then that's where you get the exact number that the Fed minimum wage should be at. And that's how it's going to actually help people and maybe pull people out of poverty. I mean, uh, unemployment's never going to be zero. It's impossible. Unless everybody loses a job to robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, then unemployment will be oh, 100%. Unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, unemployment's never going to be zero. Employment's yeah. never going to be 100%. It's impossible. It's physically just impossible. In theory, w- would, it be, would it be chaos if everybody was employed? Who would be at home, man? Uh, only, only the kids. Well, yeah, they're not accounting for kids. Is the thing. I, think, I don't know how they come up with that number. I, I, I saw something like uh, most of these studies are from like sixteen-year-olds and above. I think it's the whole range of minimum wage workers, but okay. a majority of them are youngsters. Dougalberg also writes that uh, the Chamber of Commerce in New York has suggested that higher labor costs could be offset by eliminating waste in other aspects of the business. So he, he questions it. So employers are wasting money that they could eliminate and add to the bottom line, but they choose not to to earn less than they could if the waste was eliminated. But with a higher minimum wage, they suddenly could eliminate the waste to cover higher labor costs. That, that right there is, is, is what I'm, I'm looking towards there. Chamber of Commerce is saying that when the wage goes up, they're just going to eliminate the bottom people who they don't really need, you know, yeah. the, the unnecessary employees. But Dunkelberg's saying, why can't they just do that now? Eliminate the... Uh, yeah, what they don't need. Is it because they don't need it when the higher wage is there? You say, uh, what, what is Chamber of Commerce saying? It's saying that, uh, oh, if you, if you uh, heighten the uh, minimum wage, you, you could replace that increase by, say, making other things in your business more efficient. Okay, so why can't they do that before the increase happens? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> why don't you save money right now? Yeah. <laughs> you don't save the money until you need to save the money. Yeah. <laughs> is that what Chamber of Commerce is saying? Because if they're really saying that, I don't think the people there are very intelligent. Yeah. The, it doesn't make the, any sense. And uh, as a poverty program, Dunkelberg writes that raising the minimum wage is like killing flies with a shotgun. It's not targeted very well because 60% of the officially poor don't even work. And the only thing raising the minimum wage does for them is make it harder for them to get a job if they really want one. Now, I've read somewhere else that minimum wage workers, most of them aren't even uh, poor. Yeah, like uh, middle class. Or, yeah, lower middle class. Or, or they're, the, um, they're not the primary breadwinner for the house. They're like yeah. the secondary or yeah. third. They don't really need the minimum wage increase. What you're giving is uh, people spending money, I guess. Now, in theory, that does stimulate the economy. But when you give people spending money, there's a chance that they're not going to spend that. They're going to put it into their savings account and the economy never sees that money again. So I really like Dunkelberg's thinking here. He, he's questioning everything. And uh, the way he writes is he's stating a, a uh, democratic thought and then debunking it with a more conservative statement. It says that Congress raised the minimum wage uh, 10.6% in July of 2009. And in the ensuring six months, nearly 600,000 teen jobs disappeared, even with the 4% growth in the economy. This compared to a loss of 250 jobs in the first half of the year as GDP growth declined by 4%. So when you raise the price of anything, people take less of it, including labor. So, you know, you're, you're a manager at McDonald's. Now you got to pay these teens $10 an hour. You're going to hire less teens. 
Yeah. It really hurts teenagers uh, who are looking for a summer job because they are the minimum wage workers. Uh, see, when, when you increase the minimum wage, usually those who come in, like the new guys, usually they get the minimum wage. But if you increase the wage of those who are already there, it's going to be difficult for the company to hire somebody new and also give them that, that new uh, pay. Another argument in favor to minimum wage is that it's a stimulus. But uh, was there more income to spend in 2009 when nearly 600,000 teen jobs were lost? Common sense says that every dollar a minimum wage worker receives must have come out of somebody else's pocket, either small business owners or their customers. The money for higher minimum wage does not come from thin air. No, it doesn't. It does not. Unless it's from the Fed. <laughs> Federal <laughs> Fed, the Fed's uh, not going to give up their no, money. Man. Those who print out the money. <laughs> a minimum wage goes up a dollar. That dollar has to come from the business owner's pocket or the customer's pocket. So raising minimum wage really hurts the customer in that way because of uh, higher, higher price products or it hurts the business owners. It, it hurts potential employees too. Because they can't even, it's harder for them to get the job, get, first yeah, of to all. to get the job and training. And when they do get the job, they're not going to get that many hours. Yeah, or they're not going to have the opportunity to advance in the job. Duckelberg writes a whole uh, analogy of selling pizza, and it's, it's pretty confusing, but I, I'm going to post it on the website if anybody wants to read it. But if you really read it and think about it, he's got it pretty much down. He says that supporters of the raising minimum wage cite poorly done studies by agenda-driven research groups, in quotes, that alleged to show raising the minimum wage doesn't harm employment. So how much, uh, how many of these research studies do you think are really just made to prove that minimum wage should be better? There's going to be studies out there that support one thing or another. You know, at school, they always tell us, hey, when well, you're going to write something, it has to be unbiased. Politicians, they're always going to use data that supports their Right. It's beliefs. cherry picking. Yeah, it's, it's cherry, cherry picking. picking. They're, they're not going to use the data that doesn't support their, their statement yeah. or is neutral to their uh, statement. On both sides, Republicans and Democrats. It, it's when a, a politician uses a data from their opposing side and then uh, rebukes it with data from their side yeah. is when you know a politician or a speaker or anyone uh, arguing for a, a topic is, is well-informed of the topic. Now, Duckelberg writes as basically the take-home point of this article, the higher price of anything the less of that will be taking. This includes labor. So raising the cost of labor raises the incentive for employers to find a way to use less labor. Most minimum wage earners are not in poverty. That, that right there is, is a take-home point. Most minimum wage earners are not in poverty. What is the, the whole point of raising minimum wage? To take people out of poverty or what is it? Those who support it will say it's to take people out of poverty. And uh, minimum wage workers aren't really in poverty for the most part. There, there's going to be some that are. Yeah, but most of them. Is, is, most of them. Yeah, that's what is important, right? Most of the population. Coming in from CBS, a study says 38% of employers will lay off workers if minimum wage is hiked. 38% of employers will lay off workers if the minimum wage is increased by the president of the United States. So uh, Express Employment Professionals, uh, which is the nation's largest privately held staffing firm, surveyed 1,000 and 213 business owners and human resource professionals nationwide, asking them if they would be impacted if the minimum wage increased. Roughly 54% of the participants said that they would reduce hiring, and 65% said that they would raise prices on their goods and services. So those are the two reactions to minimum wage increases yeah. regarding uh, business owners and uh, hiring staff or whatever it is. At Express, they're deciding to go directly to the employers who make the decisions to find out what a minimum wage increase to 1010 
would mean for them specifically and for the economy in general? Uh, most of those who were uh, in the study, 213 of them surveyed, paid their employees currently the federal minimum wage of uh, 725 So that increase of uh, is it three, three, around $3 would negatively affect them. How would it possibly affect them? <laughs> That's my question. How, how would having to pay your employees more affect you? positively. Well, that, that, that's coming up in the next that is, segment. That is coming yeah. up. That is coming up. I can't think of it personally, but there are articles that say yeah, there yeah. are uh, positive effects. Now, based on the survey, uh, there's no denying that raising the minimum wage will result in layoffs. But policymakers will certainly want to be mindful of this as they legislate. So this article, I, I think, it really considers both sides, but not to the point where it's really even. Uh, they're saying that it will definitely lay off some people. Yeah, That's impossible to avoid. But how you uh, go about reacting to the minimum wage increase is what really matters if it should really happen. Now, that closes up the segment for the cons of this. And when we come back from this next break, it's time to talk about how minimum wage increases could really positively affect citizens and or business owners. You're listening to the Multiple Perspectives podcast, and we're talking about minimum wage this week. Stay tuned. As I said before, if you can't argue the other side of the debate, you're ignorant. Or you're blind in one eye. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're only considering one side, then you're not really considering the whole uh, topic of discussion there. So that, that's what we're trying to do here on, on Multiple Perspectives. And here we are now trying to consider something that no, it's hard for us to consider. How minimum wage benefits anybody, yeah. really. Let's head to Washington Post for our first article here. It reads, no, raising the minimum wage doesn't lead to layoffs, written by Jared Bernstein. And um, he says that people who argue that increasing the minimum wage will lead to large numbers of layoffs, they have a problem. They are consistently wrong. Job losses from moderate increases in minimum wage have been repeatedly shown to range from zero to small, in quotes. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that means. More low-wage workers benefit from the policy than are hurt by it. For example, the recent Congressional Budget Office study on the impact of raising the minimum wage to 10.10 an hour shows that 24.5 million workers would benefit from the increase, 16.5 directly and an additional 8 million indirectly. The CBO predicts that 500,000 low-wage jobs would be lost. That's 49 beneficiaries to one job loser. So 
Yeah, jobs will be lost. Yeah, but, but there are 49 beneficiaries. Yeah, well, like for every one person that loses their job. There are 49 people yeah. who are positively affected. So, I mean, is that really a good number? I, I don't know in terms of the whole entire nation. But if you lose your job, do you feel better thinking that 49 other people are healthy? <laughs> no. Okay, let, let's, not, uh, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. Well, well, this guy, Jared Bernstein, he's a former chief economist to Vice President Biden. He's saying that those who argue that the minimum wage will hurt business is wrong. It would actually help business in some way. If you pay, if you pay a worker more money, they're going to work more harder. Like uh, that. <laughs> that's that's what you you get what you pay for. Okay, all right. So so uh, okay, we're not going to go there. I mean, <laughs> reading these articles just makes me more mad, I guess. But l- let's take these truth claims as the truth. Yeah, it, just like religious studies. So let's take all these truth claims as the truth. So let's say uh, you're you're a manager, and now you get to pay your your worker fifteen dollars an hour. That worker might work harder for you, right? Yeah, he'll work harder for you, or she'll work harder for you. It's possible. It is possible. Now, he states something called uh, efficiency wage theory, which is EWT, and it was derived to explain why we often see the law of one price broken in the labor market. One would expect that low-wage workers, say those in fast food in the same area, should make the same minimum wage. That wage would typically be around the minimum. Pay more than they have to based on that you get what you pay for principal. Paying above the minimum wage inspires effort above the minimum. (laughs) <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> okay. And that yeah. translates into higher productivity, which absorbs the higher labor cost. Yeah, so uh, he's saying that the more you pay somebody, the more harder they'll work. The more they will work. But, but the question is, how much? <laughs> you know is, it, is it a one-to-one ratio increase? It's all about the ratios. If one increase, the other one has to increase or decrease the same exact amount. Otherwise, there's no balance. Yeah. And uh, an imbalance of the economy is really what we don't need right now. Now, uh, there's a place called Shake Shack who, uh, who states that the number one reason why we pay our team well above the minimum wage is because we believe that if we take care of the team, they will take care of our customers. Randy Garuti, the chief executive of Shake Shack, said, another benefit of paying uh, $15 an hour we don't have any turnover. We don't have to train people constantly. So it's turnover is um, people quitting all the yeah, time. Yeah, people quitting, and they have to rehire, right? Retrain, retrain. pay for the training. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, in theory, if you're getting paid fifteen dollars an hour, if you're well off with the job, you're going to keep the job. The reason why people quit isn't always about money. Yeah, or it's not always about money. It might be the stress of the job, or yeah. or how you smell after the job, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But would you, would you endure all that for a fifteen dollar an hour wage? Not everybody. Not everybody, but... But the general... that That's where I like this argument. Yeah. That uh, uh, less turnover, less training, less hiring. That really does save the business some money. And uh, in turn, uh, the teenagers or whoever's working this job are going to go out and buy video games, watch movies or whatever, stimulating the economy. Not yeah. sure how long of a term that will take to actually have an effect on the economy, but it will have an effect at some point. What I don't like about this Washington Post article is he does not consider the other side. He does at some points, but he doesn't really state how uh, their arguments are valid. But I do like how he, he clearly states the efficiency wage theory, that you get what you pay for when you hire a worker. Now, let's head back to uh, One American News, where there's an article titled, San Diego Council Approves Minimum Wage Hike to 11.50 an hour by 2017. So in San Diego, the municipal ordinance is that they get 11.50 an hour by January 2017. And that is 
pretty high. That that's huge. Now the council adopted the democratic backed measure on a six to three party line vote. Supporters with a number of small business owners in the city, that's who is negotiated among, but it remained opposed by the local Chamber of Commerce and the California Restaurant Association. Supporters of the bill say it would add a thousand and four hundred dollars to the annual average pay of employees who are now at a slightly above minimum wage, pumping an additional $260 million per year into the local economy for low-income residents to spend on food, shelter, and clothing. Once again, another argument saying that uh, more money into the workers, more money coming out of the workers. Yeah, more spending. The opponents, like in our previous articles, would say, again, the companies would either have to lay off workers or pass the labor costs to the customers. And once again, we're talking about how many people it benefits versus how many people it hurts. I would say that people of San Diego would say that it uh, benefits more people than it hurts. You know, people are getting more money, but maybe one person's losing a job. One or two people are losing jobs. The total number of workers getting paid higher pay is expected to grow from at least 172,000 next year to as many as 214,000 in 2017. This measure would also give an estimated of 279,000 workers a chance to earn up to five days of paid sick leave. Food workers would actually benefit the most on a proportional basis with 60% of that group getting a raise. So we're really looking at fast food workers, which is that a big uh, portion of the nation? Uh, For the jobs? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Probably, well... It's a big portion of minimum wage workers. It's almost the entire portion of minimum wage workers. So uh, those are the ones benefiting and uh, those are the ones that are likely to be spending more money. That's where I agree with those people are going to spend more money. Most likely, yeah. Most likely. According to an article by Laura Shin, fast food worker protests over minimum wage spreads across the globe. So around the world, it started here in America, fast food workers like McDonald's, KFC and other fast food uh, restaurants, people are protesting to have a $15 an hour wage, which is a huge... <laughs> <laughs> now, let's not go there. Uh, let's let's, yeah, let's, let's okay. state what's going on here. So, um, everywhere around the world, from Oakland, California, New York City, Miami, Philippines, India, Seattle, there's been people protesting. Fast food workers have been protesting for a higher wage of $15. Fast food workers in at least 33 countries and 80 cities on six continents will join the U.S.-based counterparts for an average of 230 strikes and protests worldwide. This happened a couple months ago? No, this is happening all over the world, like you said. UK, UK is pretty big on this right now. A reference to contracts in the UK that an estimated 90% of McDonald's workers have signed that they don't guarantee them any hours, but expect workers to come in whenever they're called. So that's the argument for for, for uh, raising minimum wage from these workers, yeah. is that when they get hired for you know $8 an hour, they're not guaranteed 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week. But whenever they get called, you know, hey, Joe, we need you in here. Yeah, from personal experience, working at fast food, yeah, it's, it's kind of true. They call you out of nowhere and they expect you to come in, right? Yeah. You could say no, obviously. You could say you no. Could say yeah. no. But what happens when you say no is you don't get called in next week for, or your hours get cut next week, something like that. You never get called in again as a statement from the boss. And for that, people are thinking they should get paid $15 an hour because of those troubles they have to go through. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, everyone should be paid for, for the, the, what they're working because a lot of fast food workers are overworked. A lot of minimum wage workers are very overworked. The work they're doing doesn't match what they're getting paid for. But raising that minimum wage, I, I don't think that's the answer. Yeah. At least to $15 an hour, I don't think that's the answer. After you give them 15 how long are they going to stay there? 
Who knows? Who knows? Now, organizers in the Philippines, this is a little lighthearted. They uh, held a flash mob inside the Manila McDonald's singing and dancing to let it go from the movie Frozen, urging McDonald's to let go of its low wages and allow workers to organize. Uh, The employers might say let it go too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They'd say the same thing back. Let go of the employees. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's risky there. That's it's risky. risky yeah. It's not a union job. You can't be doing those things. But if if these people are so passionate that they're risking their jobs to get a, a increase of their wage, that's passionate. I, I fully yeah. support that. But I don't fully support what they're they're after. I don't know if that raising the minimum wage to fifteen will actually solve all the problems. I mean, well, in America, you can't really solve anything anymore. <laughs> in America, you can only deal with, handle, or change. Can't solve things. When was the last time we solved something? Landed on the moon. Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that was way back when. <laughs> <laughs> now let's head to thinkprogress.org for our last article of the pro statements here. Think progress, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> study. A minimum wage hike would stimulate the economy. Where is this study coming from? We don't know, but let's take it as a truth. Daniel Aronson and Eric French, economists at the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, provided an estimate of the effects of the aggregate household spending of the minimum $9 an hour wage proposed by Obama in his 2013 State of the Union address. They found that raising the minimum wage by $1.75 would increase household spending by about $48 billion the following year, which amounts to 0.3% of GDP. Now, GDP, you know pretty well. What does GDP include? It's the... Gross domestic product of the United States. So I think that's what United States manufactures. And is it trades overseas? No, is how you compare nations, you compare GDP or? Oh, they're, yeah, their economic power okay. by GDP. If the possibility of job losses is taken into consideration, the authors calculate that spending would still go up by $28 billion or 0.2% of GDP. Most studies show that minimum wage hikes do not, rejo- do not result in job losses for various reasons. You notice most articles that we have, most studies suggest either for minimum wage or against minimum wage. Yeah. So how, how does that add how, up? Uh, <laughs> it's like 75% of articles suggest this one, but the other 75% somehow also suggest the other one. Yeah. So where are these uh, studies coming from? Who are these studies funded from? Are they really studies? But this guy makes an interesting point that even if we factor in uh, job losses, it's still 0.2% increase of GDP. That doesn't sound like a big number. But it is for where we are right now. Now, it reads that minimum wage earners tend to be low income and are likely to spend more of their income. Once again, another argument for increasing minimum wage. Raising their wages is particularly beneficial. They say that in the near term, a minimum wage hike can stimulate economy activity by putting money into the hands of people who are likely to spend it. More money. More Mo problems. More honey. <laughs> <laughs> more money, more problems. No money, no honey. More money, some honey. <laughs> Now, uh, yet a minimum wage increase now may be especially important since low wage jobs have led the recovery, comprising of 58% of jobs all created. There you go. There's the the nation's uh, proportion of low wage jobs. But, you know, most of these jobs are going to uh, college graduates. So are they really the ones spending money? I feel like college graduates are the ones saving their money to settle down, you know, with yeah. the wife and kids or whatever. Or to pay back some... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> some uh... Signed papers. Yeah. A minimum wage increase may reduce violent crime and lift millions of people of color out of poverty. Like, again, from the previous article, the fast food industry where many of the strikes have occurred is a prime example of the effects of a low minimum wage 
A McDonald's employee must work 1 million hours a year to earn as much as a company CEO. Now, I like how the, the article ended with uh, something like that, but yeah. I don't like how it's not even sourced or anything. It's just yeah. a little stat that, that the guy decided to throw out at the end. Just this, to- this, this was written by Cameron Davis. Okay. Uh, he's a guest contributor. You got to remember where the source is because we're right now on thinkprogress.org. Now, which side of the political spectrum would you say this website is on if you, and we're just guessing, throwing out a wild guess? Left field. Right, left, left field. field. Just look at the top bar. It reads climate, economy, health, justice, LGBT, world culture, sports, election. No business? Uh, no, there's no business. <laughs> foreign policies? No foreign policies. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you got, we're, we're being, you know, stereotypical, but we, we got to take a while and guess at where this is coming from. If you read the headline, I mean, you can tell. Yeah, study. It's always about a study. It's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the article stated that uh, Democratic supporters of this usually quote studies that don't really conclude anything. It's just a bunch of numbers. But yeah, th- those are the arguments for minimum wage. Uh, increases. And to be honest with me, if I was a completely new person, a person with new ears and eyes, I wouldn't agree to these uh, arguments as much as I would agree to uh, people who are arguing against minimum wage increase. Yeah, I think it also, those who've been around, well, there's there's like two perspectives, the workers and those who run the business, right? And then the customers too. That's a third perspective you got to come in with. I think customers are going to be, no, we don't want the uh, minimum wage increase because we want lower Right, lower prices of the, of the goods and workers will say we want higher because it's just we want more money. Right, and I I feel like the employees are seventy five twenty five. Seventy five want no increase. The other twenty five do want an increase because they can see how they can handle things better with uh, no turnover, less training, stuff like that. Longer term employees. So it's really it's really split up between uh, three perspectives, which we'll go into after this short break here. Like we said with the minimum wage issue here, there are three perspectives, three main perspectives, because there's always more, always going to be more perspectives. The customer, the employee, and the employer. Who do you think has the most important perspective? I think it would be the uh, employer. Do you think the employer has the most to do with uh, stimulating the economy, though? Yeah, I I I wouldn't make a blank (laughs) statement like that, because I know everybody got to work together. Okay, so you're saying that if everybody works together and cooperates, we, we get the best results. Yeah. I'm saying the same thing, but not every, who is going to uh, uh, cooperate with their employer? You know, is an employee going to compromise and say, instead of 15, can we get 1250? <laughs> you know, which employee is going to say that? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. If you go on Facebook, I, I, I feel like maybe the people I'm friends with, they're all liberal thinking with this minimum wage issue. I guess because most of them are working minimum wage. There's so many articles posted about how other places have higher minimum wage, like $15 an hour, and that California should have a higher minimum wage. Now, California's economy is already in the shitter as we speak. Yeah. Is raising minimum wage to $15 an hour going to get it out of the shitter? We've already attempted to do that by uh, trying to make marijuana legal. Yeah, but there's also other factors. I mean, like taxes and... Uh, look, imagine a state with a higher minimum wage, but then all the goods... Or expensive. Yeah, so, so like, no one's well, really buying no, anything. No, yeah, like a place with a lower minimum wage with, with reasonably priced, priced goods. goods is a better place to live than a place with a high minimum wage and so expensive goods. Which one of those states would you think has the better economy? 
a place with uh, reasonable price goods yeah. that people are still spending their money, but they're not making as much. Maybe they won't get that vacation to Africa every summer. They could. They just have to learn how to- Save money. Save money. It's all about the balance of how you spend your money, how you get that money in, and how much you work. And on Facebook, on Reddit, on, on social media, Twitter, everyone is supporting the minimum wage increase. But after that goes up, how many of those people do you think are going to regret that support? I think they, they might not notice. It's going to be those who don't have a job that's going to not like it. That are going to get hurt? Yeah, this can yeah be because like, those who are getting paid $8 an hour currently, and they get boosted at $15 an hour. All right, I'm getting paid uh, extra money every week. But are they really thinking about the people who don't have a job and are currently looking? They're not. You see, it's all about thinking about the issue in another person's shoes. Yeah, empathy. Where's empathy? It's empathy. <laughs> it's empathy to a point. <laughs> there's unintended consequences for every decision we make. Just like there's no victimless crime. There's no uh, law or a bill or ordinance that isn't going to hurt somebody. So California is in the shitter, like I said. If it raises to $10 an hour, I don't think it's going to help us get out. I mean, $10, it's not a big difference. It's not $15 an hour like uh, Seattle. But w what happens when 2016 hits and we get $10 an hour? My little brother is going to have a hard time getting <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever. The Who, younger high younger. schoolers, uh, uh, currently attending college kids, those people are going to have a hard time getting a job. Those are the, the big spenders, you yeah, know, man. going they, to movies every weekend. The, trend, the trendsetter, they, uh, they buy whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those are the big spenders. They won't have that many jobs available to them because, you know, numbers are getting thrown out. 600,000 jobs were lost back in 2009 or whatever. And um, that's just the case of it. So if you were really to, to throw out one single sentence about the minimum wage increase or decrease or whatever it is, if you want to talk about it, to someone who is completely ignorant, what would you say? This is tough, man. Yeah, it is tough. That's the whole point of the podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably say uh, it's more what you do with the money than how much you make, maybe. It's not about the size of the boat. It's about the motion of the ocean. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I, I would really educate them on both sides because, yeah. as always, you need to consider both sides of an argument. We're pretty biased. I mean, it's impossible to be unbiased, but we're less biased than a lot of other people. I would say biased. I would say... Everyone has a, their own opinion. That's right. Opinion. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're definitely for the cons of uh, minimum wage increase, yeah. but we're not going to just wipe away the pros. Yeah. Because uh, the cons just relate to us more. I don't see uh, any minimum wage increases helping me in the future. Yeah. So, uh, but again, it's not all about us. It's about yeah. the poverty people too. And I don't see people in poverty being helped by minimum wage increases. I think both sides have some valid points. And it's also everything that we see in the world is, is really based on your own perspective. It's all about perspectives. But then <laughs> multiple perspectives. It's all about multiple perspectives. <laughs> you got to put yourself into other people's shoes and see if this benefit them or will they hurt them. You know? uh, most people wouldn't do that. That's a problem. They vote it's, all about, it's all about me. It's all about how much yeah. I get each week in the paycheck. It's not about the person who's dying on the street. It's about me and my family. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the it's the evolution evolutionary uh, traits that we have. Right? So that is the general outline of each episode. We uh, we'll review the current news of the week and then go into a hot button topic. Uh, what, what do you think is coming up? I think you should pick the next topic. You should do the embryonic stem cell research. Stem cell research. So you want to do each topic connecting with another topic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, if you if listeners, if you thought this topic was complex. Wait for embryonic stem cell research because that is scientific. Right? Are we are we gonna 
tie that to abortion too? Yeah, we can do abortion. There's so many topics, hot button topics that people are uh, just, it's so, it's not one-sided. People think it's one-sided, but it's really not. Right to carry. Right to carry firearms. firearms. Yeah. So who knows what's coming up, but every episode is going to be a hot button topic such as this one. If you wanted to research the articles that we talked about, just visit multipleperspectives.org. If you want to leave us a message called 512-666-4439. Hell Satan. <laughs> that's, a, that's a random number I got on Google. It, it wasn't up to me. 666-4439. If you don't want to leave us a voicemail, you can email us at contact at multipleperspectives.org because I know for a fact that our segments uh, ignite fire in people's bodies. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure we, we offend a lot of people with our opinions. And that's why they'll do the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you should email us with your opinions because uh, that's what we want. We want different perspectives. That's yeah. the whole point of this podcast. Check our check our Facebook page. That's right. Like our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash multiple perspectives. If you go on the website, there's links to everything. And pretty soon we're going to have a lot more content. If you visit our Facebook, there's articles every single day about current hot button issues. And even if you want to suggest a hot button issue for us to talk about, email us, call us, anything. Yeah. Now that that was a wrap up for uh, this episode of Multiple Perspectives. And uh, we're signing off for now. We'll see you guys next week. You're listening to multiple perspective. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, if you want to, if you want to leave us a message, call 512 666 The devil's number. 4439. <laughs> <laughs>